You ready to tell me why she was wrong? Why we don't belong here? In about four hours, the Dharma folks at the Swan work site, they're gonna, they're gonna drill into the ground and accidentally tap into a massive pocket of energy. The result of the release of this energy would be catastrophic. So, in order to contain it, they're gonna have to cement the entire area in, like Chernobyl. And this containment, the place they built over it, I believe you called it the hatch. The swan hatch? Because of this one accident, these people are gonna spend the next 20 years keeping that energy at bay by pressing a button. A button that your friend Desmond will one day fail to push. And that will cause your plane, Oceanic 815, to crash on this island. And because your plane crashed, a freighter will be sent to this island, a freighter I was on and Charlotte was on and so forth. This entire chain of events, it's gonna start happening this afternoon. But, we can change that. I've studied relativistic physics my entire life. One thing emerged over and over. Can't change the past. Can't do it. Whatever happened, happened, right? But then, I finally realized. I had been spending so much time focused on the constants, I forgot about the variables. Do you know what the variables in these equations are, Jack? No. Us. We're the variables. People. We think, we reason, we make choices, we have free will. We can change our destiny. I think I can negate that energy. Under this wand. I think I can destroy it. If I can, then that hatch will never be built and your plane we're playing the land, just like it's supposed to, in Los Angeles. And just how exactly do you plan on destroying this energy? I'm going to detonate a hydrogen bomb. Welcome to another episode of the Revisited Podcast. I'm Ben. And I'm Kristen. This week on Lost Revisited, on the Lost Revisited Podcast, <laughs> we are covering epi- Season 5, Episode 14, The Variable. You're Nailed it. A, you're such a jerk. <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> and I just love how you finished it. Nailed it. I did. I nailed it. 
<laughs> that was my best introduction so far. <laughs> All because I said you, because last week I said you forgot to say lost. It, it is actually because I got because I I have it all written down exactly how I should say it, but I always forget to put in lost, and then you say later, okay, but we're covering the show Lost, Kristen. I'm like, okay. <laughs> and we've changed the podcast name, so I never remember that. You know, there's a lot to remember. It's really hard. <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot to remember. It's really hard. Oh, words. Nailed it. How are you? I'm good. Um, weird question, considering we've already been talking for like a half hour, but still. I know, but I'm still going to ask you, how are you? No, I'm good. Um, had some cool stuff yesterday. We delayed recording for a day because I had an opportunity to meet Chef Robert Irvine yesterday, which was really cool. Uh, incredibly nice guy. And then I spent a little bit of time in Lancaster, PA while I was out there. With the um, Amish? They're out there. Yeah, I've seen them yeah. out there. They're they're definitely out there. And you know once you're getting in the area because you always have to go around their buggies. And then they look at you like you're from Mars. Right. <laughs> and and we're just like, um, we're in 2023. You're not. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> Here comes one of those tourists in those newfangled automobiles. <laughs> <laughs> Apolo- I was going to say apologies to anybody who might be Amish, but if you are, you're not listening. listening so they're talking okay. into a rectangle. It's a very good rectangle. <laughs> there are Amish that do use um, use power and technology and things like that. They're not, uh, you know, the same orthodox as, as the the strictest of them. Um, but in but in Lancaster, it is pretty. They're they're pretty straightforward Orthodox uh, Amish, mm-hmm. where it's horse and buggy, no electricity, bonnets. Um, yeah, bonnets. It's very flat uh, toned colors, uh, but you know what? Like it, it's more more power to them. And some of them might be li- listening right now because they're on Rumspringa. So who knows? Rumspringa. Um. Yeah, I mean, look, I did you ever used to do get like Amish friendship bread? You ever hear of Amish I have, friendship bread? I don't know if I've ever had Amish friendship bread. Um, I have definitely eaten, eaten Amish far, farm to table food. So no, this is so this is totally different. This is our Amish friendship bread. Is like you get like this little starter, right? And so then you have directions, and it always comes with the same sheet of paper, and you you add to the starter, and then you divide it up into like six pieces, and you make bread with part of the starter that you've uh, put to the side. And then you give out the rest of them with the same amount of directions. It's like a chain letter for baking. And um, Hmm. you just keep sending it out and out and out and out and out. And the recipe's really, really good. Um, You know, I used to, I used to do friendship bread all the time. I used to always have the the starter with me because I loved it so much. Um, And then I didn't have it anymore. And now I don't know. I don't even know like where you would go and try and get it because it's like a baking chain letter. Like, how do you do that? I'm sure you could probably Google it. I'm sure I could go on Reddit and give some, get some, you know, Redditors janky Amish friendship bread, you know, but I don't trust the internet people. 
Well, why does it have to be Amish friendship bread? Why can't it be podcaster friendship bread? Because Amish friendship bread is delicious. And I've never heard of podcast friendship bread. It's basically the same thing, except you give it to podcasters, not Amish. Well, (laughs) if anybody's listening and they have Amish friendship bread, please let me know. I want to know. If you're listening on that newfangled rectangular box Kristen mentioned earlier. (laughs) But hey, let's let's talk about Lost. Well, so real quick, while we're on the topic of friendship bread. Okay. um, I tried a little (laughs) bit of a, I know we're already not talking about Lost, but it's okay. Um, I, I attempted something on today's Sunday. So Friday, uh, I attempted the whole, the soda bread. Oh, where yeah. instead of using eggs and oil, you just uh-huh. use carbonated soda. Yeah. I, I bought a spiced cake mix and I used ginger ale. Mm-hmm. Um, and with the exception of the fact that I totally forgot to grease my pan so the cake did not come out as a whole, uh, it tasted d- com- incredibly delicious. Yeah. It was soft. It was, I know people hate the word moist, but it was moist. It was soft. It was really tasty so i ended up buying another box yesterday i just got to get another can of ginger ale i'm gonna try it again oh except good. this time greasing the pan i have a really good recipe for um for irish soda bread if you ever want to try it is, it, to, is it similar where you just use soda instead of you use baking else? soda um you definitely use baking soda but it's uh you use buttermilk and baking soda and the combination between those two ingredients the same kind of, creates the leavening agent yeah. but it's really good i that used to be the during the pandemic that was if dave and i had had too much to drink i would make a loaf <laughs> like a nine o'clock bread. at night <laughs> it's it's why i gained my quarantine 20 <laughs> <laughs> but yeah i'm gonna I, I bought on Friday, like I bought all that stuff and I bought a tub of icing. And then I realized it's like, wait, yeah, I'm like, you know what? Like, I probably will not even ice this cake. I'm just going to slice it and I'm going to serve it with a little scoop of vanilla bean ice cream. And boom, like that's my that's my tasty dessert. I would just eat the cake. <laughs> well, that's what I did. That's what I did with the last one because it didn't come out go. as a whole. It was just in pieces. I was like, you oh, just well, I'll to, just. Yeah. Just I'll bring just, the cake pan over to the couch. <laughs> Everything's fine. I didn't do that, but I would not put it past me. I, I've i been eating a, a bunny cake since Easter that I finally threw out this morning. I was like, okay, we're done. <laughs> the hell is a bunny cake? Well, we make a bunny cake every every Easter, and it's cute. You know, it's shaped like a bunny. You take like two uh, nine-inch Oh, so it's, it's just pecans. a cake shaped like a bunny. No, but like we make a 3D cake out of it, right? So you take the – you like cut it all up so that it looks like it's a bunny – in uh in like a coconut field of grass so like i I'll said send just you a, a picture so it's just cute. a cake shaped like a bunny yes but we make carrot cake because well that's delicious bunnies are full of carrots <laughs> are they <laughs> i don't know bugs bunny really likes carrots so <laughs> okay. you want to talk about lost <laughs> yeah, now I do. <laughs> um, 
So, uh, in case you don't know already, this is a spoiler-full podcast, so we will be talking about everything that has happened before and after this episode. Um, and I want to make mention, too, real quick, uh, about the YouTube page. Um, if you go to our website, uh, revisitedpod.com, and click on the videos tab, there are YouTube, there are video versions of all of these podcasts, and they're actually getting some good views lately. Oh, okay. which is which is great like people are actually i i don't know if they're finding them on youtube because the the videos on the website are just direct from from youtube but they're posted on the website um but you know when i post them to youtube like i'm tagging i'm putting tags in them and everything so people can find them i guess people are finding them they're getting views and they're getting likes and that's oh no <laughs> uh, <laughs> right I, I look oh no mess every people single are week. actually people are actually watching yeah. um so, yeah. So, I mean, if you want to check them out, revisitedpod.com, just go to the videos tab and you can actually watch the, the podcast as well uh, and see us and actually watch us go off the rails before we start talking about Lost. And we talk about how uh, cakes are full of carrots or bunnies or something. I don't know. Bunnies. Bunnies <laughs> are full. <laughs> anyway, let's talk about this incredibly. uh heartbreaking um intriguing episode like there's so many words you could use to describe this episode yeah that's that's all about daniel Ugh, um, daniel where, where do you want to start where where do we where do we where do we kick it off well i mean there's a different there's a couple different ways that we can start i mean first of all variable is obviously off of the previous episode that not the previous episode in, in another season that I can't remember called the constant. Mm -hmm. Um, and the constant is one of the best episodes of the entire series of lost, you know, and again, it centers around Daniel and this concept of time and how to connect it and how to, you know, um, how Desmond and, uh, Daniel are each other's constants. Um, which is really funny to me because we do have Desmond in this episode as well in the variable, um, granted it, it doesn't, you know, really factor into the storyline very much, except for the fact that, you know, it connects, um, Daniel's constant into the episode, but there are too many things that are happening kind of around it. Um, and I think it was mainly, I don't know, maybe you can, um, expand on it or correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that interjecting, Desmond into the episode was really more for Eloise's story than it was for Daniel's story. What do you think? I, no, I agree with that completely because with the fact, with the exception of that, uh, with the exception of Eloise visiting Penny at the hospital after Desmond's been shot and he's been taken in and he's recovering, it, there's really, there's really no reason for any of the Desmond story to be part of this episode. It kind of feels out of place almost. But, it does um, and it doesn't because, I mean, it brings Penny in and Penny and we learn that Penny and Daniel are brother and sister. We learn that Widmore is Daniel's uh, father. This is the Yeah, this is the reveal that we something we've already known and we've mentioned. Right. But um, this is the reveal for that. Yes. Yeah. Right. Um, and we learn that, you know, Eloise, Charles Widmore, Penny and... Um, and Daniel, they're all connected. And weirdly at the same time, Daniel and Desmond are each other's constants. Or Desmond is Daniel's constant because Penny is 
Desmond's constant. Mm -hmm. So it's a funny little gnarled tree branch that we kind of get to poke at this week, which is nice. Yeah. I mean, and you're you're right. When you look at the fact that we do get the reveal that Charles Woodmore is is Daniel's father. Uh, and we get that scene with Charles and Eloise at the end outside of the hospital after Eloise just got done visiting Penny. <clears throat> and that does bring a little bit more importance into the fact of this whole, uh, this whole element with Penny and Desmond in the hospital, because you're right when you, when you put two and two together after that reveal, it may not click right away, but it makes you realize, okay, Penny is related to Daniel. Right. They they are half siblings. Mm-hmm. Um, because Charles is the father of both. Right. So and yeah, it, it, it does add a little bit more credence to that being part of the episode. You can also see that like there there's a lot of I wouldn't even say it's bad blood as much as it's just like there's a lot of hurt and obviously complex history between Eloise and Charles. And it's just in their one conversation outside the hospital that you can really see how much, how much history that they share. I mean, these two actors really portray a lot of unsaid feelings and emotions, Mm -hmm. um, which I really appreciated. It really felt like these were two people that have had an entire life together but they're also still strangers. And that's, I think that's hard to do as actors who probably haven't even spent that much screen time together. And they do a great job of really making you question what the relationship between these two people are up until Mm -hmm. that moment at the end, because we, we know up for this point, we know that Charles and Eloise were on the Island together. We've already met them, the younger versions of them. Um, We get the whole scene with Charles going to visit Daniel at watching the news report of the plane being found and revealing that like with a smile on his face that we're old friends meant mm. meaning Eloise. And it really makes you question like, okay, what is the relationship between these two people? And then we get that moment where Charles says, well, he's my son too. And she slaps him. Yeah. Well, you know, she had every right to slap him. Where was he? Oh yeah. Nowhere. Well, but the, uh, we also don't know the the behind the scenes of that too. Like it, it could very easily be she told him not to come anywhere near them. Well, yeah, I mean, it was probably it was that Eloise. You know, we spend this entire episode realizing that I, I think she broke her son. I mean, he was a, he was a broken man, and I think it directly applies to his mom. I mean, it it's kind of like she always knew maybe she was going to shoot him. Oh, she, she knew. knew she was going to kill him. It's it's and part she didn't of, let him enjoy his life. Well, and that actually is, is part of my notes and, and one of the reasons why I have it so heartbreaking, why I have this episode being so heartbreaking is because when you get that big reveal at the end mm-hmm. that Eloise is the one that kills Daniel, which we, we've kind of mentioned before, but now we're, we're finally getting that moment. It really does kind of make you reflect on the entire episode. And it's you you start to realize like that, like you, you see all these moments of maybe Eloise is trying to be a good mother. Uh, you know, Charles is trying to be better and 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 help Daniel by giving him a job. Hmm. And and then you finally realize in the end, when he is lying on the ground and he's saying to her, You always knew 
you then realize that that's not the case at all. Daniel has always been the round peg she's been forcing into the square hole. Mm -hmm. He is broken because she is forcing him to to on that path. Because to them... She could have prevented it. She could have prevented it. Well, she could have prevented it, but I think her and and Charles are of the ilk that whatever happened, they're the same way that Daniel is. Whatever happened, happened. There's no changing it. So in order for it to continue to happen, they have to force Daniel on the path to be in that place where Eloise kills him. And it becomes just a circle. They have to keep that circle moving. Therefore, he can't play piano because he has to become a scientist and a mathematician. Because if he doesn't, he'll never go to the island. He can't be with his research assistant because he can't be in love with his research assistant because he's only going to get his heart broken when the experiment goes wrong. She becomes comatose and then he goes to the island. Like all of these puzzle pieces have to become, have to be put in place. And she has to make sure all of these pieces fall into place. Otherwise, none of this will happen. Well, and it's just kind of like, yeah, I, I totally agree. And pick, and to piggyback, to piggyback off of that, um, there was a deleted, well, I mean, half of the scene is in there, but the other half of the scene was deleted. So I read the transcript this morning and they were talking, you know, they were talking about pebbles versus boulders in a river. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so I think what you're talking about is, you know, Eloise spends all this time putting pebbles into the river so that the river keeps on flowing the way that it should, right? And she's trying to prevent a big old boulder from going in and changing the direction of the river altogether. And um, Daniel actually explains this in, have it open. Let me see if I can get to it. Daniel actually explained that, explains this uh, in a deleted partially deleted scene. Let me just find it real quick because apparently I don't have it. <laughs> I have it. Like I have the app up open. I just don't have. Yeah. And I'm interested in this too. Cause I didn't know there was a partially deleted scene in this episode. Yeah. I, you know, I get. Where you do the it? dives. Sorry. Yeah. I, this morning I did a dive. Was it into a bunny shaped cake? No, I told you I <laughs> threw it away. Okay, here it is. It's uh, deleted from the variable. Kate, Jack, and Daniel walk along a creek through the jungle. Kate sits down on the trunk of a tree. Daniel, <clears throat> uh, we should really keep moving. Kate, well, you can keep moving because I'm thirsty and I need a rest. Daniel sighs and nods his head. Jack tosses a canteen to Kate. Daniel takes a gun out of his bag. Jack, you need a gun to go talk to your mother, Dan? Daniel, you don't know my mother, Jack. Jack, are you ready to tell me why she was wrong? Daniel. And then this is the part that we saw a little bit of in the episode, but not all of it is in there. So it says, I've studied relati relativistic physics my entire life. Jack, I've spent years just staring at equations. One thing emerged over and over. One simple rule. No matter what, you can't change the past. You can't do it. Whatever happened, happened. In layman's terms... So Daniel tosses a small stone in the creek. The creek keeps washing over any pebble thrown into it. A pebble represents a change, a small change. The creek is time. Okay, now, after Charlotte died, I left the island. I used Dharma facilities in Ann Arbor to recreate my entire life work. 
For three years, I stared at these equations again and again and again. And then I finally realized I've been spending so much time focused on the constants that I forgot about the variables. Do you know what the variables in these equations are, Jack? Jack smiles. No, no, I don't. Daniel, us, we're the variables, people. We think, we reason, we make choices, we have free will. If we if we accept that we can't, can't change the past, can't do anything about it, then we don't even bother trying. But if we decide, if we believe that we can change the past, then we don't use pebbles, Jack. Daniel picks up a big rock. We use boulders. Daniel throws the rock into the creek. See, if you drop a big enough rock into the creek, you create a dam, right? And then that creek changes. Jack, but we're not talking about throwing rocks into a creek, are we? Daniel, that's right, Jack. Kate, what are we talking about exactly? Daniel, a little over a day from now, the Dharma folks over at the Swan work site, they're going to drill into the ground and accidentally tap into a massive pocket of energy. The result of the release of energy will be catastrophic. So in order to contain it, they're going to have to cement the entire area like Chernobyl. This containment, this place they've built over it, I believe you call it the hatch. Because of this one accident, these people are going to spend the next 20 years keeping that energy at bay by pressing a button, blah, 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 blah. We know the rest. Mm -hmm. Anyways, I like the pebbles in the, in the boulders, um, analogy or metaphor only because it, it really says like, if you throw the pebbles in, you know, Time doesn't change. Uh, the path of somebody's life doesn't change. You just are trying to just make it continue, try to go continually into that same direction. But if you throw a big enough item in there, like a big boulder, <clears throat> the river is forever changed. You know, the river goes off into two different directions. So I don't know. I, I, I just think that you know, while Eloise is sitting here trying to throw all these pebbles to make everything go the way that it's supposed to go, she could have thrown in a big boulder and can, and just said, Hey, you know what? You need to focus on your music if that's what you love and then see what happens there and see if whatever happens happens, or if maybe she could change things. Well, but I mean, one of the other things you, you have to question in this too, and because when you look at everything, like I said, when you, when you, you see how the episode ends and then kind of go back and you reflect on everything and you realize, okay, she was forcing Daniel down this path, mm. always knowing what the ultimate outcome was going to be. Well, that kind of then definitely villainizes Eloise and Charles because they knew full well and didn't change anything about it. But you're right. She could have at some point grown a conscience, thrown a boulder in to, to change everything. But then thinking about that even further and kind of diving a little bit more deeper into that is, well, okay, is it a selfish act of them sacrificing Daniel for the lifestyle that they have now? Do you think you know, that that's why they sacrificed him? Well, look at, I mean, if, if they, if Eloise threw a boulder into the, into the river. Yeah told Daniel to focus more on his music, never became a mathematician, never went to the island. She never meets him to shoot him. Well, now everything changes. Right. He's not there to prevent the incident, which is what he has been, why he's there now to try and do, which we're going to find out doesn't really change anyway. No, it can't be prevented. The, the incident still happens. So, right. um, even with everything that he does with the bomb, with the hydrogen bomb and everything, 
different things happen, but you you only come to realize by the end of this season that Daniel was still correct. Whatever happens, happens because the incident still happens. So who's not to say that him going to Eloise, being killed, getting the hydrogen bomb and everything that happens on the incident wasn't already what was supposed to happen to begin with. Yeah. You know what I mean? <clears throat> mm-hmm. so he I really do. doesn't change anything. So the sacrifice is really Daniel sacrifices really for not. So maybe what Eloise is trying to do is she's trying to make it so that his sacrifice means something. Maybe. I mean, y- y- the other thing I question at this point too, is like he, he says constant, like it, this is the incident is going to happen in four hours. So we have one more episode after this one, before we get to the two part finale, which is when the incident happens. Right. So, it is a very close knit timeline between now and the end of the season. It is literally only four hours that's going to happen between now and the end. It's almost in real time. Yeah. Um, between now and the end of the season. Uh, so it's, you know, which is going to be interesting to keep an eye on as we're, as we progress through the next episodes and such. But the other question I have too is, well, if we know a hydrogen bomb, again, going into spoiler territory, we know this hydrogen bomb is detonated because it's what causes the incident to begin with. What happens to the others? I mean, a hydrogen bomb isn't exactly the smallest radius of explosion. So, I mean, I, I, I almost question if maybe the, the energy that is released maybe contains the hydrogen bomb a little bit because what like I, I mean that island is not as big as we think it is i would almost assume like a hydrogen bomb detonation would take out half that island it would obliterate it yeah yeah so but we know that there are survivors we know that the others are still there because eloise and charles are there right on the island, so they Richard have to Alpert is and, there. Richard Alpert is there. Uh, there are other others there. So we know they survive because Eloise gets off the island at some right. point. So I mean, there are still questions there that that are lingering. But what is the motivation for Eloise to continue on in this circle of sacrificing Daniel? I, I don't know what that is. I you know I think a lot of times. You know, and this is this could be human error. This could be scientific error. This could just be um, a cultural thing or a societal thing that we get so focused on what we should be doing for some end result that we lose sight of the bigger picture. Ultimately, did that sacrifice have to be made? Did Eloise have to sacrifice her son? Probably not. If she knew something was going to happen, if I knew something was going to happen, I would 100% try to change it, especially knowing that the incident still happened. Like she knows that the incident still happened. So maybe if Daniel didn't die, the incident wouldn't happen. Like that would be my thought. But she's so hell-bent on making the events play out the way that they should. I don't know what her endgame in that was. Well, I think the only thing I disagree with is I I think that 
I think the the incident would have been worse if Daniel didn't happen because again we're 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 kind of diving into spoiler territory. We know the energy is released yes. in in the incident. It's the hydrogen bomb detonation that stops it. So the incident does happen regardless of whether or not there's a bomb there or not. It's the incident's going to happen. Um, I, maybe thinking about this a little bit more, maybe it's Daniel's sacrifice and knowing that his sacrifice is going to lessen the outcome of the incident. Daniel's sacrifice needs to be made in order for the hydrogen bomb to, to kind of stop it from being yeah. as from being worse than it actually is. Because who's to say that that incident wouldn't kill the incident happening on its own wouldn't kill everybody on that island, including them. So in order for them to save their own lives and the lives of everyone else, a sacrifice needed to be made. And that sacrifice was Daniel. Does that make a little more sense? It does a little bit. Yeah. And I, and maybe he saved Charlotte before it happened as well. Maybe he had a part in saving Charlotte, which he would have died for. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, so there are probably listeners or watch viewers kind of like pulling out their hair right now. Why? I don't know. Cause maybe they have a better clear vision as to what's happening that we just, I see. invite their, uh, I invite anybody's feedback. <laughs> I do too. If you, yeah. if, if you see this differently that, and, and it's a way that we don't see, please tell us, um, I appreciate that. Uh, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. I'm sure that I'm missing something here, but as far as, you know, I mean, the cool part about anything that has to do with time travel is that you can just sit there and you can talk about how time would affect the outcome of events all you want. But, you know, I don't see anybody coming back from the future telling me I'm wrong or right about anything. You know yeah. what I mean? It's like that. It's like that moment. It's like that moment in the Big Bang Theory where right. Leonard, where, where, uh, Leonard and Sheldon first move in together and they're signing the lease and there's like, okay, there's the time travel clause. We agree right now that if this is wrong or the world's about to end, we're going to come back to this moment to make sure it doesn't, to tell ourselves about it and make sure it doesn't happen. And they stop and they wait for a couple of seconds. And right. Like, All right, moving on. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. Nobody has, nobody from my future has come to visit me to tell me I'm doing something wrong. So. Nope. So we're probably pretty insignificant in, uh, in the realm of time. Yes, probably. Yeah, most likely, yeah. because nobody has come back to try and kill me to prevent the future. So you are I'm, not John Connor. I am not John Connor. There you go. Perfect. <laughs> um, so, let moving away from time travel for a moment. Um, I do want to talk about. Um, we get we get a lot of the old feelings back with our little group of survivors. We have a Jack versus Sawyer moment, and yeah. for the first time in the entire series, I was firmly on Jack's side in the argument. Wow. Okay, all right. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, it, it's very interesting talking about that scene too because, like, I have that I have that scene in my notes as well. This is a moment where, and thankfully, it didn't lead to what we, I think first-time viewers might have been fearing at, in, in a particular moment of when Juliet literally goes against Sawyer. Yeah. And we're like, oh, don't let this be the fracture of Sawyer and Juliet. And we're like, and then, again, maybe only a couple scenes later, we see them packing together. They're holding hands. It's like, okay, like, 
they're good. This was just a brief moment where Sawyer kind of was on the wrong end of things. Well, Sawyer called Kate Freckles, and that was that was a clue to Juliet. Okay, hang on. Is he manipulating her? Is he falling back into old habits? And she's just like, no, Kate, you got to go. Yeah. <laughs> this is the code. Go. Do what you need to do. I'll handle, you know, commando over here. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I'm kind of with you on that one. Like, I, you know, looking at everything from both sides and hearing the conversation as to what needs to be done. I I was I was on Jack's side as well. I was like, no, you need to get Daniel. Let Daniel do what he needs to do because everything has already gone to shit at this point. You have a guy locked in your closet. Yeah. But I mean, what are you going to do to get out of this situation? It's this. It's, it's over. over. And yep. Juliet knows it. Yep. But Sawyer is still so desperate to hang on to it because this is the first real life he's ever had. Yeah. So, I mean, you can. Which totally, is why he's so angry. Yeah. I mean, you can totally see. I mean, he even tells Jack that before. Like, he tells Jack that Jack in a moment, like, we had this before you guys showed up. Yeah, my life this, was pretty great. Yeah, this is the first real life Sawyer has ever had. Right. He, I, I totally get wanting to do every desperate action to hang on to it, but mm-hmm. at this point in time, it's it, it's done. Like it's over. There's there's nothing you can do to salvage this. I mean, you could you, go to the wheel, to unhinge the unhinge the wheel, <clears throat> try and get back again. <laughs> I mean, the only the only course of action that they had at this point, if they wanted to keep this alive, was it, it would have resulted in murder. Oh, and with uh, Phil. With Phil. I mean, you would have had to have taken out Phil and made sure nobody ever found him, which that's I mean, not them. really likes Phil. <laughs> this is also true. He just looks like a weasel. He, every role that that man plays, he, he is always a weasel. Yeah. He plays I hope that, that he's a really good dude in real life. They usually are. Yeah. <laughs> I've I have found that that like usually character actors who play the worst people are usually the best people in real life. You should get him on your podcast. He would be an interesting character, an interesting I, person. I don't even know what that actor's name is. I'm gonna have to look it up now. Because uh, he's so good, like in Criminal Minds, he was really he was only in a couple episodes of Criminal Minds, and of course he was in Lost, and just everywhere that he shows up, I'm like, oh man, you're gonna play some shyster. I just know it. Patrick Fleischer is the actor's name. Um, I know I've seen him in a ton of other stuff. I mean, oh, just he's look been at- in so much. Oh my god, yeah. Like I'm I'm looking now. Let's see. Um, just television. He's been in. Oh God, he's been in CSI, West Wing, ER, uh, Star Trek, Enterprise, Mad Men, Cold Case, Pushing Daisies, Lost, Southland, Weeds, Law and Order, Criminal Minds. He's been in Criminal Minds. That's what I just said. You just mentioned. Um, He was the guy. And he plays just like a lot of one-off characters. Suits, that's another show I know him from. Yeah, he's been in so much stuff. So I, I, you know, but he is one of those character actors that he shows up and you're like, oh man, you're going (laughs) to do something wrong. I just know it. (laughs) You're going to be some kind of weasel. I'd love it if just like for one episode, he was like a good dude and it just threw everybody off. 
I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna write his name down, and I think I am actually going to attempt to maybe try and get him on the podcast. He's. I. I've always been interested in that actor. Every single time I see him. So, anyways, yeah, anyway, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, Phil. Phil is hogtied and gagged in in the uh, in the closet with video evidence. Yeah, like of it, Jack and Kate and Sawyer again. Like it's it's over. At right. this point, there's no, right. you cannot explain your way out of this situation. No, no, not at all. And then Phil came he, to confront me and somehow he accidentally got tied up and fell in the closet. Like there's, there's no explaining your way out of this one. I think that's a perfectly fine explanation. <laughs> hey, I mean, he you fell know. down in these ropes. I don't know what happened. <laughs> he got tangled up in the ropes and he tumbled into the closet. The door happened to fall behind him. We couldn't find him. We didn't yeah. know what happened. It was the worst game of hide and seek ever. While all this ha- while all this happened, Juliet and I were welcoming people at the sub. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it's just it's Oh, the weird again. physicist is back and he's in my house. I don't know why. Well, that's the other thing, too. It's like when you look at all the people, like in that moment where everybody is in LaFleur's home, if <laughs> anybody to too. <laughs> if anybody from Dharma came to the door and saw that, it's like, why are all these people here? Why are you hanging out with people from the motor pool and a janitor? Like And the cook. Don't forget about and the, the cook. cook. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and and this mad scientist who just got off the sub last night or early this morning. Right. You well, you, well, Juliet, it. I could just see Juliet going, Mr. Faraday is is the missing component of our book club, and we're finally having a meeting again. <laughs> it's so funny that you said <laughs> she that. Ran, was... She ran the she ran the others uh, book club for a really long time. Yeah. It makes you wonder if she did that again, too. They were there for three years. Oh, she probably did. She probably fell right back into old habits. She's the one person who was probably more comfortable than anybody living there. She, she, she looked very comfortable, yeah. yeah. And she didn't have to be a doctor. She didn't have all that stress. She just got to work on cars and yep. live her life with her boyfriend. Until Jack and the others showed up, and then it was well, back to being a doctor, and everything was back to going to hell. Yeah, and let, let's talk about that for a second. So Jack and Kate are trying to get Daniel back so that the plane never crashes, but that means if the plane never crashes – Kate's going to go to jail with the bounty hunter. Um, Jack is going to go back to his life where he's not doing too well and he's newly divorced. Um, You know, there's both of them didn't have the greatest lives before the crash. Yeah. And since the crash, Kate especially has completely righted the ship of her life. So I'm not sure that I'm not sure why she would be on board with preventing the plane crash from ever happening because I feel like both of their lives, well, Kate's life got a lot better. Kate's life got got a lot better after everything. Sawyer's definitely did, but it took time travel to do it. Well, Sawyer's uh, not one that's advocating to have anything change. He oh, doesn't want true. Daniel that's, to go. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Like Daniel would have been or Kate would have been still a fugitive on the run who right. eventually would have gotten caught. No, she was caught. She was handcuffed with the bounty hunter on the way oh, back right. from Sydney. That's right. That's that's her, right. That, it, that's it was, was over for her. Yeah, she was going back to jail. Yeah. For a long time. 
Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Why would she advocate for for all of this stuff to be undone? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I know that her purpose on the island was to find Claire, and maybe that's what she was trying to do, is get back to present time so she could find Claire. But it stands to reason that Claire's somewhere in the jungle. Well, maybe that's part of maybe that's part of the Kate's reasoning for doing it is that she's not thinking about herself in this moment. She's thinking about Claire. If that, if all of this stuff is undone, then Claire is never lost on this Island. She's at home with Aaron. It is a completely selfless act for Kate. But she isn't at home with Aaron because she was going to adopt Aaron. And those parents were waiting for her at the airport. If the plane never crashed. Oh, she was getting to put Aaron up for adoption. Yeah. So she would never have had Aaron. Uh, that's a good, but does Kate know that? Yeah. Kate does know that that Claire was going to put Aaron up. For oh adoption. yeah, oh yeah. Okay. That was a huge part of Claire's story in the first season. No, I I know that was a part of the story, but I wasn't aware that Kate knew it. Remember when she was giving when she was helping Claire give birth? Oh, that's right. Claire was like, you know, I'm not supposed yeah. to be here. He's supposed to be with his parents and da, da 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 like this was a huge part of her character in the first first season first two that's, seasons that's right yep that's right and there is that conversation when she was actually having Aaron that yeah that she was talking to Kate because Kate was the one helping her give birth to Aaron so okay so I don't I, yeah I, I don't I don't know what the what the motivation for Kate particularly was I mean you know I think Jack would have fucked up his life no matter what because he managed I, to make a mess of his life when he got back. I mean, yeah, no, I agree with you there. I think he probably would have turned to becoming a drunk or an alcoholic either way, because he would have been dealing with the death of his father and divorce, yeah. as you mentioned. Uh, Sawyer would have eventually gotten himself killed. Somebody would have killed Sawyer because of all the cons he was pulling. Um, he would have either gotten gotten himself killed or locked up. Mm hmm. So Sawyer's life would not have been anything what it was now. But again, like you said, Sawyer's the one not advocating to undo all this because he has a life now, but it's kind of over at this point. Uh, yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> and I don't understand why Miles would deny being um, Pierre Chang's son in that moment, because that's something that he could have, he could have gotten maybe, I mean, Pierre wanted to believe in that moment that miles was his son. I think. I agree with you. I don't think he would have turned to miles and asked, is this true? Right. No, if there wasn't a part of him that wanted to believe it. Right. Right. And especially since he was talking about time travel, like that would have been, that would have been kind of like a big clincher for him to be like, well, yeah, yeah, I'm your, I'm your son. I know it sounds ridiculous, but I'm your son. My name is Miles, blah, blah, blah. It wouldn't have been too far-fetched for Pierre Chang to understand it. And he would have believed him. If Miles would have agreed. Mm -hmm. But I think Miles has had the idea of whatever happened, happened ingrained in him so deeply that he kind of, it was instinct to say, nope, I'm not your son. Oh, well, yeah, maybe. 
Which is kind of it's kind of conflicting for Miles at that point because the one person that ingrained that idea in him is the one that is rambling like a madman in front of him, telling Pierre Chang, like, oh, this is Miles, this is your son. I and, just love it that Daniel has nothing to lose in this episode. He's like, Yeah, I'm from the future. Blah la 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 la. Let's move on. Like <laughs> Yeah. It, yeah. I, it's that's not the important story here. <laughs> but yeah, it, it's very interesting too. Like I completely forgot about that whole thing where my where Daniel tells Pierre Chang that Miles is his son. <laughs> but <laughs> that I was think such it, a good clincher. But I think it does come back around again. Mm. Um I think oh, a little before bit before the end of the season. I think during the incident, I think there is another conversation between Miles and Pierre. I hope so. Um, where I think it does actually come to, I think Miles does admit that he is Pierre's son. I could be wrong about that, but we'll find out in a couple episodes. Yeah. Well, probably when the incident starts to happen, Pierre Chang is going to be like, oh, shit, crazy man was right. <laughs> crazy bearded man was right. Yeah, that beatnik, that <laughs> 70s beatnik. It's so funny, too, because like I'm in the process of finishing season two of Justified. Mm. In which oh, Jeremy Davies, yeah, Jeremy he's Davies fantastic. Is, is part of that season is Dicky Rob, Dick, not Dicky Roberts. Um, yeah, no, he's Dicky, Dicky, but not Roberts. Um, what's I forget the last name of the the family. Yeah, um, but Dicky is is the character name in Justified, and it's so funny because like I'm watching him and I'm like he looks no different than and he yet, does in Lost. What a different character! But yet it is a completely different character. And he nails yeah. it. Yep. Yeah. He's so good in Justified. Ooh, yeah. he's so good in Justified. Yeah, he looks no different, but he's totally different. And it's totally rednecked out. So I'm almost on season two. Yay! So I had to jump. I had to take a break from it during Oscar season, but I'm I'm back to it now. I'm I'm spending all my time between uh, Justified and The Curse of Oak Island, which I'm uh-huh. totally, totally uh-huh. sucked into, which was my recommendation from last episode. Um, um, what else see. do you have? I have some other stuff, but what do you have? Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I kind of like it that last week we did we we're doing the same thing this week and that uh, that we did last week and that we're kind of we kind of just dove right in and we didn't and just had a conversation about everything instead of going point by point, which is mm. which is fine. I mean, it, it worked out perfectly fine. Um, I love the fact it's kind of it's definitely foreshadowing that at one point when. Daniel's having that conversation with Jack that you mentioned about how everything happens happens. It's after he takes that bullet graze to the neck and Jack is tending to it, you know, where he reiterates to Jack that like, like this is our present. Anyone can die. And that's exactly what happens. Yeah. He foreshadowed that. He foreshadowed his own death. Mm -hmm. You know, because remember he's like, when you met me, did I have a scar on my neck? No. Yeah. Obviously, this is in real time. Yeah, exactly. So, Which I we mean, figured it, out like a few episodes ago. So he's a little slow on the uptake. <laughs> Who is Jack? No, or Daniel. Da- Daniel. What do you? How is Daniel slow on the uptake? Because he said this is happening in real time. You didn't know me. Everything I know is you know this didn't already happen because it's happening. We already had that discussion. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. So we're smarter than Daniel Fairday. I don't know about that. <laughs> I really don't don't know about that. 
Um, sure, sure we are. Why, why not? <laughs> I like the that very early on in the conversation uh, with Eloise having the conversation with um, Daniel when Daniel's sitting at the piano and Daniel says like, I, I like music. I want to keep doing music. I can make time for both. And Eloise says like, if only you could make time. And it's like, Ooh, well that's kind of deep considering that's exactly what this he whole does. thing has been about. Right. Has been about time. Well, and Eloise says in the hospital uh, to Penny towards the end of the episode was that she said that for the first time, what was it? For the first time in a long time, or this is the first time ever that I don't know what's going to happen next. So she seems really rattled by what is currently happening with Desmond getting shot and him being in the hospital and Penny being affected and she comes in and she's, and she basically, you know, says my son is responsible for your husband getting shot, which I still kind of don't understand that, but. Well, but I mean, looking at the comment that she makes about, I don't know what happens next. If you look at the full circle of everything that, like I mentioned, Daniel being that square peg trying to fit into the circle hole or the other way around, whatever way I said it before. Um, like enforcing Daniel to to be along this, this is the end of the circle. Right. Yeah. She I doesn't. Just with me. She doesn't know what happens after this because right. this is the point where everything has come full circle. Now the future is unknown to her. She has known everything up until this point because of everything that is happening with everybody and the time travel and and all of it. This is the point in in the timeline she has never seen before. Mm -hmm. So from this point forward, she has no idea what's going to happen. Well, and it's so weird though, that she spent so much time trying to make sure that everything happened for her to eventually kill her son, which is already very weird, but like she spent so much time and energy and math and, and the big pendulum and all the secrecy and all this other stuff that she never bothered to figure out like what happens after this? How could I prevent my son's death? Could I prevent having killed him? I just don't understand why she wouldn't spend all of her money and resources in trying to prevent it instead of trying to make sure that it does happen. I just realized what she meant by this is her this is her fault. Let's think about who gave Desmond who took the picture of Desmond and Penny and kind of started the whole thing or it wasn't it, it wasn't the picture. Eloise has been in Desmond's past and it okay. kind of led to See, now I'm going to have to look it up um, because I'm I know there is a connection. Um, to, she kind of I think she's the one that kind of plants the seed a little bit. Um, not relationship with Daniel. Eloise worked at a store where Desmond went to buy an engagement ring for Penny during his first time shift. Right. Um, after he turned the fail safe, fail safe key. When Eloise showed him a ring and Desmond told her he would take it, she seemed upset and responded by telling him he would not. After Desmond refused to give the ring back, she explained to Desmond that she knew his name. He would break Penny's heart 
and he would not marry Penny. Instead, entering the sailing race to prove Penny's father wrong, and he would go to the island to press the button for three years. She's the one that tells him and encourages him that gives she's the one that plants the idea in his head that he needs to prove Charles wrong by getting in the sailing race, which leads him to be on the island, which leads to every him becoming part of this circle. Interesting. So, I mean, really, you can even say that the last couple of seasons has been this like private family feud and all of our little characters and survivors have been just like little playing pieces in that game board. Well, again, I mean, we've mentioned it before how this whole thing is a big chess piece Mm -hmm. uh, is a big chess game. We've mentioned up until this point, how like Jack and Kate and Hurley and Sawyer and all these people on the plane were the pawns, but we haven't mentioned any of the other pieces yet. We haven't mentioned the King or the queen. We haven't mentioned the Knights or the Rooks. Like these are the higher pieces Mm -hmm. that are above the pawns, but are still part of the game. And I think we're starting to realize that Charles Widmore and Eloise Hawkins are the King and queen on the chessboard. They're the ones that have the most power and can make the most moves while still being vulnerable to the game, but being above the pawns. Mm, mm-hmm. They are kind of still- like how we're, but it's kind of like a small mini setup to what what's, what we are eventually going to get into in two episodes, which is Jacob at the man in black. Mm-hmm. So we're kind well, of have- the players. Right. Okay. Yes. Yeah. They are the players of the board. Yep. Yeah. They're the, they're not pieces on the board. They're the players of the game. Yes. But Eloise and Charles are still pieces. Yeah, that's they're great. just not they're just not pawns. Mm-hmm. They're the king and queen on the board. But yeah. that leaves the question though, who were the other king and queen? Because remember, there are two sets. Because if if mm. if the if the Oceanic 815 survivors are pawns on one side and the others are pawns on the other so ben linus and everybody else are pawns on the other side then who are the king and queen of the other side there has to be another king and queen i so would you argue think that charles and eloise would be playing against each other okay that's a good point you're right they are on opposite sides of the board i think if you look at it they would be on opposite sides of the board 100% because they've never been other than when they were together on the island I don't think that they have anything to do with each other anymore. They were together at a point. Right. That's what I'm saying. Other than when they were together. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. But yeah, they're no longer a team. No. And I mean, like I said earlier in this episode is that scene that they had outside of the hospital. That is, um, that is, it was so well done because you could see that there was a lot of history between the two of them that obviously there is because we've been following along the story mm-hmm. low key for a while. And it's all like coming to a head right now. Yeah. Oh, I mean, this episode alone has brought so much to the forefront of the story now. You know, yes. that we're, you know, that we're, we're going to get again, there's only four hours left right. on the timeline between now and the end of the season. This is not going to slow down for these next couple episodes. 
No, it, no. It's and, pushing and forward to the end. It hardly ever does. True. At the end of a season. Yeah, I think you know? even... I think even the last couple seasons, if you look at the the timeline of everything, it's all been pretty close knit and relative to yeah. to real time. I would agree. Yeah, which so, is fun. I, I I like it when it's kind of like that. You know, we're just getting it. Just like I love the fact that we're 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 progressing forward and we're getting to the end of what I think is a great season of this show. I know a lot yes. of viewers kind of checked out at this point. Um, I, I I feel like if if you're listening to this one, hopefully you already watched it. But like I I would argue this is one of the best seasons of this show. It's I do so, like this season. It's yeah. it's so complicated. Um, I, it's just yeah, I don't I you know I'm kind of stumbling over my words a little bit. But I think you there's so what, much though, great. That, there's so many we, great elements to this season. Yeah. Well, and also, I mean, I don't know about you, but I like complicated TV. I do too. I don't want anything too simplistic. I get bored. Right. I mean, I'll tell you what, though. I I do like the sim- simpler shows for when my brain is tired. You know, like if I'm watching, um, you know, House of the Dragon, Last of Us, Yellow Jacket, stuff like that. At the end, I'm like, oh, I need like junk food for my brain. And I'll turn on like Top Chef for a couple of hours or Big Bang Theory or something like that. You know, like that simpler television that just kind of like makes it all nice. But I like that. But no, but I I like that in how you mentioned it. I like that in reality and comedy. I Mm -hmm. don't like simplistic and drama. Oh no 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 I, that, no! Well, dr- that's when, when is drama bored. ever simple? Drama is um, never simple. So anybody that's trying to make a simple story out of drama, I I just don't think that you're going deep enough as as a creator of of content. Yeah, you're not doing your you're not doing your your creation justice, right? By making it too simple, right? So not in drama. No, not in drama at all. Um, do you like the fact that Daniel is like? telenovela crying for most of this episode <laughs> for most of the episode I, like i only i can only think of one time that he's doing You're it. kidding me he kept crying he's crying when he's talking to charlotte he's crying when he's looking at the um at the tv he's crying when he's like mom if i go will you be proud of me okay like he is just this blubbering idiot throughout the his mother broke him completely broke him oh he his brother her his mother Eloise made him completely dependent on her attention yes yeah. it goes totally, to his self-worth yeah. it goes to his confidence it goes to his work it goes to his emotional connections or lack thereof I mean she ruined him. Also, that she could kill him at the end, like she's a horrible human being. Oh well, that's what I—that's what I said in an earlier point. Is that when you you kind of watch this and you you, you get a, a perspective of her being like a, an attentive mother and and such, and then you get to the moment where you realize she's the one that kills him. Yeah, she's been setting him up on this path just to do that or just for that to happen, and that's when you realize, okay, she's not trying as a mother; she is a villain. She is a horrible person. And Charles is just as bad, which we've already knew that about Charles. Right. Because Charles knew all of this was going to happen too. Yeah, but Charles is Biff Tannen, which naturally makes him (laughs) 
which naturally makes him a villain anyways. So there's That's what no I mean. surprise we are, we there. We already knew Charles was a villain. Right. <laughs> but no, but this episode, it's the final moment where Daniel says, with tears in his eyes, um, staring at his mother, you always knew this was going to happen. Right. And it's a conflicting moment because half of you is like, she is horrible. This woman is evil. And on the other half, it's heartbreaking that that's the final thing he had in his mind before he died. You know, at least he came to terms with who his mother really was, I guess. But yeah, I mean, none but of to be good. that be the final thing right before you pass on is realizing how horrible your parent was. Mm -hmm. That's that's heartbreaking. Yeah, I would agree. I accept his tears in that moment. Well, okay. Yeah, he's allowed to cry. I, I agree. He's about to die. But he cried throughout the whole flipping episode. Why did he can cry? You imagine be, can you imagine being this little girl on a swing eating chocolate and this weird man comes up and starts <laughs> crying on his knees in front of you? And you're like, mommy, mommy, there's this really weird man outside. And the fact that he wasn't tracked down because of that, you know, I mean, that's enough to get him killed. That's the re that's the real reason why Charlotte and her parents left the island. They felt there the was creepy a creepy dude. A, there was a creepy dude on the island. They wanted to take his daughter <laughs> away like, from him. We're out of here. We gotta yeah. go. <laughs> there might be a child molester on this island. We gotta go. Just drops to his knees and starts crying in front of this little girl who has no idea who he is. <laughs> <laughs> why did he cry during the oceanic plane reveal? He says he doesn't even know. Like what what was the point of that? Why was he crying during that? Because there was a connection? Cuz he wasn't connected to these people yet. So I I don't know what the purpose of him crying during that was. I don't know. That's a great question. One that I have tried to answer every single time I've watched this show. And I don't I don't think I've ever really come to an acceptable answer in my head. Like I he's weird, man. Cause he cries. Yeah. How's that? Cause he, he cries. Well, I mean like I would even take Lapidus crying at that before I would take Daniel crying at that. Well, yeah. Cause he was supposed to be on the plane because Daniel would feel or Lapidus would feel a sense of responsibility. Cause he was the one that was supposed to, he would be guilt stricken and felt he could have prevented it. Right. Or I should be there too. Like mm -hmm. I could understand Lapidus getting upset, but Lapidus didn't even cry at it. I mean, like, why is Daniel crying at this? Again, if you're a listener and you know, please let us know because I don't know the answer to that question. You know, he was very emotionally unstable that could in his entire just, life. That could probably just be it. Yeah. I mean, he had just had that accident and maybe he did know something. Maybe there is something that he knew that his memory reset. Maybe he did find something out. Maybe. You know what I, I mean? Yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, Daniel Faraday is dead in this episode, but I don't, I think he still comes back uh, and we, flash we, sideways. We see him like again that. next season. Yes. Yeah. Because um, with flashbacks, flash forwards, flash sideways, like all of those little, you know, fun lost, you know, plot devices we can see Charlie until the very end. You know, we, we can see we do get Boone. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like yeah. we, we can have any character come back in any way and it's explainable, which is great. 
I, I can't wait until we talk about, I know there, we still got a ways to go. I can't wait to dive into that series finale. Yeah, I know, I know, but that's in like, you know, a year at the rate we're going. It's not, so, <laughs> not a year. It's not a year. I know, I know. We'll Maybe by the end couple, of the summer. We'll be there in a couple months. We'll um, see. Any, I, I'm trying to see here, I'm trying to look over. Um, so something that's interesting about this episode, and it has nothing to do with the story, it has to do just kind of like with the everyday uh, happenings. Mm-hmm. So this is the hundredth episode of the sh- of the show, which is a big mile marker for any show to get to a hundred episodes. The day that this uh, came out, that this episode came out, it was also coincidentally uh, Obama's hundredth day in office, oh, and they actually right before the episode started um, was Obama's speech about his first hundred days in office. And I don't know if it cut into the show or if it preceded the show, but those two things happened on the same day. Oh, that's kind of right cool. on top I had, of each other. Yeah. I did not know that. You know, little little weird parallels that happen where you're like, ooh, that's spooky. Cause the whole show's spooky. <laughs> I don't know if it's spooky. No, it's not spooky. But there's a lot of crying. <laughs> From Daniel. <laughs> Daniel. Just, just from Daniel. Um, I, I'm looking at my, I mean, other than the shootout, which we didn't really talk about, but there's really not much to talk about. It's just there. there's a shootout with them trying to leave Dharmaville. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I kind of covered everything I have in my notes. Yeah, I'm done. <laughs> all right. Fair no, I mean, enough. I'm done like that. That's that's all I have for my notes. Oh, no, I totally, I knew what you meant. See, all done. I actually have notes. That you started writing. Yeah, when we sat down. When we sat down. Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. Mm-hmm. Not when, uh, not when we started. No, I was too into the episode. I just, I had my notepad and everything. I just watched it dumbfounded. A lot of it was me going, how many times is this guy going to cry? You know, for, so I'm looking at the IMDb rating. This this episode got an 8.7. So yeah. it's one of the it's one of the higher episodes too. Um and I just happened to notice that the the finale of the series got a 9. So for all the people that hated it, it got pretty highly rated. Uh but next episode. <laughs> <laughs> I'm bitter about the people that hated the finale. Really? Weird. I never would have known it. <laughs> uh next episode. Uh, season five, episode fifteen. Follow the leader. Following the leader, the leader. The um, lead. Is it a lock episode? No, because I don't think we have any more flash. I don't think we have any specific uh, Oceanic eight one five specific episodes anymore. I think they're oh, all no. About this other was people. the last. This was the last flashback episode. That in um, most episodes are now going to be. Like at the same, like it was. Oh, just not- it's a Richard episode. Oh, good. Yeah. Yay. Yeah, I don't think we have any more of the flashbacks of the of the main characters. I think it's now right. all the other characters. Yes, and then next season we're going to get a lot of flash sideways. Yes. Yeah. Which yeah, is where is- things get really crazy for your brain. So, yeah, this episode, Follow the Leader, episode 15, is a Richard flashback followed by the incident, part one and two, which we're going to cover together. 
Uh, and that is a Jacob related episode. Yeah, we're finally, finally get to meet going Jacob. to see Jacob. <laughs> <laughs> he We've does been exist. About him so much. He well, because like, and there's so much mention of him too that like it really does build the mystery around like, does Jacob actually exist? Right. And you're going to find out he indeed he indeed does exist. As does the man in black. Yes, he does. Who is never named? I think he's always. He's the always man the black. man in black. Yeah. I'm excited. It's good. It's going to be a fun, fun couple of episodes, and we got Des hopefully coming on in a couple of weeks with us as well. Yeah, we gotta we gotta figure out the time to to get him, uh, to figure out a recording time for all of that works for all of us. Yes. Uh, to cover the uh the incident, so I'm into it. Yeah, me as well. Uh, but that does lead us to the feedback part of the episode. Um, again, if you picked up on different things about all of this that and it's something that we didn't pick up on, feel free to leave us feedback and let us know. Um, you know, it, it could be a verbal slap in the face, like, how did you miss this? And and tell us. It, and we'll it tell you, I don't know, because we're simple. <laughs> Um, but if you want to leave us feedback, easiest way to do that, just visit our website, revisitedpod.com. And there you can find links on how to email us, uh, send us in a voicemail and you can find where to subscribe if you don't already. And the videos tab on the video versions of all the podcasts. Heck yeah. But we do have a feedback. We do have a voicemail from our buddy, Steve, as we always do all week. So let's listen to that now. Hello, Ben and Christian. This is Steve. And I don't know what happened to that last uh, voice message. I don't know why it was only a minute. Only, I don't know. But I'm going to watch episode 13 again before I do uh, the next ones. All right. Now on to episode 14. Okay. Now we get to see Desmond's fate. Love this scene with Daniel, Miles, and Jack where Daniel is just insisting, how did you get back? How did you get back? And <laughs> Miles, I just carried his luggage, man. Uh-oh. They weren't supposed to come back to the island. According to Daniel. Oh, young Daniel with that. I don't know if that haircut is good or bad. Harsh, mom. He wants to play the piano. This has got to be killing Sawyer to be reacting instead of, uh, what was it? Oh, okay. This is actually a callback to episode one of this season, right? When the first time when we saw Daniel. So that had, when he, when we have this scene. Okay, now I get it. So these last four episodes, if Daniel is right, he says the incident is going to happen about six hours. That means these last four episodes are only going to cover six hours. Um, seriously, Sawyer, do you think you'd be able to drive this up if you tried to hijack it? Come on. <laughs> He's still crazy. He's on a whole new level, man. Are we going to get back to the Desmond storyline anytime soon? I mean, I, I love that they're showing us what happened right after Daniel saw the, the plane footage and news, and now he's meeting Charles Winmore for the first time. But come on, I want to know about Desmond. Oh, Sawyer, don't revert now. Colin Daniel Faraday, H.G. Wells. And Juliet shows herself to be the pragmatic one, giving Kate and Jack the code to take Daniel to the hostiles. Others, his mother. His mother, who's another. Oh, and that hand-holding between Juliet and Sawyer. Oh, I'm getting choked up because I just, this love story is so amazing. I don't know why I never realized it before. Oh, and Daniel with... Little Charlotte, I'm not supposed to have chocolate for dinner. Isn't that the last thing she said to him? Why, why am I getting so choked up? Ow. This, this gunfight in the Dharma OK Corral, great. I don't remember how they get out of this because Rosinski's just caught uh, Sawyer and Juliet and Hurley and Jen. What's going on with them? You said the variables, not the variable. It's not really a mic drop. 
Okay, now we're back to the Desmond storyline. It's only going to get more insaner, Jack. Insaner? Is that the right word? Yeah. <laughs> he got shot. What? And his own mother shot him. Whew. Well, on to episode 15. <laughs> Thanks. I love, I love Steve so much. So much. Steve, I love you so much. I love these voicemails that you send in every week. I look forward to them. I, I laugh. I'm so glad that you mentioned that, you know, Daniel was crying in front of Charlotte. <laughs> <laughs> and he did mention too something that we didn't mention is that that whole scene with Daniel down in the in the area, the work area with Pierre Chang, it is a callback to the very first scene of this season. Yes, when he was in there. Yeah. Yeah. That, and then and, we and don't then, see Daniel again until this episode. Right. Right. So, yeah. So that was really, really interesting. Um, Steve also brought up a good point of, of Desmond and continuing on with that story. And I don't think we get any more Desmond this season. Um, how Desmond gets back to the island is very weird. It's incredibly weird. I can't wait because I totally forget. So I'm glad that I have forgotten. Um, I need a remember all. Uh, you need <laughs> you need a remember all. Yeah, I couldn't. I can't figure out what I've forgotten. <laughs> Harry Potter for all right, those Weasley. of you who are no, that was Neville Longbottom. Uh, uh. Oh, that's right. That's right. It was Neville. <laughs> uh. Sorry, uh. <laughs> the real chosen one. Neville mm. Longbottom. That can be um, debated another day. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. So thank you again, Steve, for that, for the yes. voicemail. Um, I already know we're getting one from him next week because he already sent it. So Yay. <laughs> we're already there. Um, but again, encourage you guys to leave us feedback for this episode, a previous feedback or a future episode, a future episode. Just go to revisitedpod.com and you'll find all the information. There. I'd actually like to make a request that anybody that's listening to this and not watching along, I'd love to know how you're experiencing the podcast without watching along. I know that there, um, are a few people that are doing that. Um, I'm just want to know what your experience with remembering the show if this is helpful or just chaos for you <laughs> I, now that you bring that up i'm also very curious about it, that. right yeah i want to know i'm i'm so. incredibly curious about that um yeah. i gave a recommendation last week um my uh my curse of oak island television series which i've been hooked on and i'm still hooked on but uh it's your week so what have you got for us for a recommendation um this week i have something just like super simple i um I just, for some reason, I've never read the book. I've never been interested in the book. I've never been interested in the story. It looked super boring, but I kept hearing what a fantastic movie it was. And I just can't resist that kind of a carrot ever. <laughs> and so um, Dave and I sat down yesterday. The kids were upstairs, you know, playing video games with their friends or whatever. And I looked at him and I said, let's watch Dune. And he's like, yeah? I'm like, yeah. He's like, okay. He's been wanting to watch it for a while. So we turned out all the lights. We watched the movie. We turned it all up. That movie is so good. <laughs> it is so freaking good. It is visually stunning. The graphics are unbelievable. The story takes a minute to get into because you're kind of, it's like one of those movies where you're just dropped into this world, like dropped in. 
and you just kind of have to play catch up. Um, and just to once, be clear, this is the 2021 version of yes, Dune, yeah, not this the is original. The, right. I watched yeah. it because, listen, Oscar Isaac is in it. Jason Momoa is in it. Uh, Thanos is in it. Um, Zendaya is in it. Tim- Drax. Timothy Drax is in it. Timothy Chalamet is in it. And I've never seen him in a movie ever. And so, and I don't really like his like red carpet personality. So he was a big turnoff for me for the movie. Turns out he's fantastic. Like the whole movie is so good. And when it was over and we like, you know, our, our family room is a, we live in a hundred year old house. So we, our family room is like, you close the door and you can like really envelop yourself into our, our room. So we left the room and turn on the lights to the kitchen and Oh my gosh. Like I just felt like I like was completely immersed in this world and just jarred right out of it when it was over. So I'm really looking forward to the second movie. I highly recommend it for anybody who, even if you have an inkling of interest in the movie, like I had none, none. (laughs) And it was fantastic. So I recommend that this week. Okay. I'm looking forward to uh, Timothy Chalamet, uh, you know, speaking of him, I've seen a couple movies. As Willy in. Wonka. Yeah, he's playing a young Willy he's Wonka in Wonka. Young, I just saw that because I wanted to look up when Dune was going to be. And in his upcoming projects, it says Willy Wonka. And I'm like, no, don't redo it again. And then I see a young Willy Wonka. I'm like, hell yeah, we're going to do this. That sounds awesome. Yeah, it's a pre- it's a prequel. It's how he how gets he set up. Oompa one. Loompas yep. and, yeah, I'm excited. That, that should yeah. be pretty good. And he's yeah. weird enough, I think, that he can pull it off. And the cast of that is uh, of that movie is great as well. I mean, Timothy Chalamet, Olivia Coleman, Keegan Michael Key, Rowan Atkinson, aka Mr. Bean, yeah, uh, Matt Lucas. It's it's got a good cast. So yeah, I'm excited. Um, I'm, I'm very very f- excited. I'm looking forward to that too. <laughs> yeah. So that. Yeah, that's what I I just watched that last night actually. So I didn't have a recommendation before yesterday, I guess. <laughs> oh, well, there you go. I mean, Married Kingstown always. If you haven't watched it, watch it. It's still one that's on <clears throat> on my list. <clears throat> Excuse me. And I know we we have a little bit of time now to catch up because obviously with everything that Jeremy Renner went through, it's going to be a little bit of time before he's back to acting, and there's going to be a season three. But um. Thankfully, they never canceled the series because of everything he went through. They're they're going to keep it going. It just you have Jeremy cool. Renner. You will wait for Jeremy Renner if you Damn. have Jeremy Renner. Damn right. Do you know? Yeah. I don't. I don't know if you know this or not. I don't know if our listeners are going to get any idea out of this too. You know, we know somebody who went to school with Jeremy Renner. Why? Why does that sound familiar? Who? Jason. Why does that sound familiar? I think I knew that. Jason went to high school with Jeremy Renner. That's so neat. Because Did he remember he, he remembers want, going to one of their high friend. school reunions and Jeremy Renner showed up. Oh, that's so cool. Right? I'd want to go. I'd want to go just to be in the same room as him. He couldn't go now. Well, no, I no, I think I, well, I think Jason had said that like it was during one of the reunions, it was right I think right after Hurt Locker. Or right after, oh. like it was, it was early, early on in his. Yeah, but he wasn't he Marvel. Out. Yeah, he wasn't Marvel famous. He wasn't. Yet. He wasn't Marvel famous yet. Yeah. Um. But he was still known. He was. He was a. He was an Academy actor. Award actor. Yeah, Academy Award nominee. I think he never. He yeah. didn't win for Hurt Locker. But, but 
but Jason said he showed up to the reunion. He didn't show up with an entourage or anything. He literally just came and. No, he's a super plain guy. You can yeah. see he's a super plain guy. Yeah. Watch Anyways. the Diane Sawyer interview. I'm going to. Not, I'm going Not to. just you, but anybody listening. If you're a Jeremy yeah. Renner fan and you haven't seen it, um, check out the, the, <sighs> the Diane Sawyer interview with him. It's. God, it's, it's so. It'll touch your heart. That's all I'll say. I'll probably watch it at some point today. Yeah, it's only forty five minutes. It's 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 an easy it's an easy watch, um, and renovations on Disney Plus is pretty great too. Excuse me, this is not your week. S- sorry, <laughs> you got another one then to make up for the one I just threw out there. No, I don't. Go watch Dune. <laughs> uh, next episode, season five, episode fifteen. Follow the leader, which we mentioned follow is a. The leader. <laughs> A Richard Albert episode. Does that make Richard Peter Pan? Since he doesn't age. Let's oh, do know. on that while we watch next week. <laughs> That'll be our question. Who would be Hook then in that case? The man in the black. The man in black. <laughs> uh, thank you as always for listening, for watching, <laughs> no matter how you, you just roll it into the end. Um, you know, thank you for watching, listening. However, it is you take in this podcast again. Visit the web, the website revisitedpod.com uh, for links to everything there. But until next time, we'll see you guys further on down that rabbit hole. Take care. Bye 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 bye. We have to go back, Kate. We have to go back!